This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 24th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I'm excited to have this hour with you today. I'm going to make do my best to make it as instructional as possible and informative as possible because that's what you're probably looking for, right? The right information to analyze, especially in today's world, right, where there's a lot of partisanship and, and uh, in the investment world, there's really no room for that. And it's difficult to escape it. You know, we're under 40 days away from the election and the partisanship, the tribalism is only going to intensify. But it's our job and your job on Invest Talk to make decisions based on sound reasoning, sound facts, and less about opinions, especially political opinions. Because guess what? The markets do not care about your political ideology. They don't. Markets don't care. Markets are made up of millions and millions of people making decisions, buy and sell decisions, with all types of political persuasions, from left to right to center to foreign, who really don't care too much about our internal politics. And therefore, if you allow your tribalism to seep into your decision-making process, you might have a much higher chance of Making a bad decision, a poor decision, because you're basing off emotions, right? We know that politics are emotional. We're emotional beings as humans. And so the more we allow emotions of all kinds, whether that's fear and greed, whether that is emotions relating to the other side, right? And which side is right and which side is wrong, the more we're going to make bad decisions. The more you can ground yourself in the facts, whether you like the facts or not. That's a big variable too, is a lot of people view the world the way they wish it would be, as opposed to how it actually is. And that's a big mistake many investors make as well. So that's my goal here on today's show is to give you the right perspective and information for you to make decisions that are grounded in reality. I'm Justin Klein, and on today's program and podcast, I'm going to do my best to provide you with unbiased answers and facts that that relate to your finance and investment questions, 
and help you develop strategies to deal with the current environment, which is so politically charged, so monetarily and fiscally charged, right? With Fed on one hand, Congress on the other. And that's a good example of what I was talking about, Congress, right? How you think stimulus should come about, or if there should be stimulus, is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. What actually will happen is more important. Same with the Fed. Whether you think the Fed should be printing money, keeping rates at zero, causing financial repression, whether you think that should happen or not, doesn't matter. It's what actually is happening. So I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a look at the market today. We know we had the big, big sell-off yesterday. I think this has a lot to do with, once again, stimulus or lack thereof. Right? We had Ruth Bader Ginsburg pass away last week. There's a lot of contentiousness in Washington on who that next nominee will be whether they'll get confirmed before or after the election, etc. And you add on top of that, little to no stimulus coming out of Washington, additional at least. And so today, you had a small bounce back. S&P was up 9 points, about 0.25% or so. The NASDAQ, that was up about 39 points, a little over over 3%. Sorry, not 3, 0.3%. And you have the Russell 2000, the small cap index. That was barely up. It was basically a flat day. So overall, a very modest bounce after a pretty red day yesterday. Gold was up pretty decently, especially the gold miners. Big bounce back after a pretty bloody day. Yesterday, after it hit some pretty big support, will it hold? I think that would be very interesting as well. So that's what it happened in the market today. And as you can already hear, I have a busy and information-packed podcast for you on this Thursday. So let's get right to our first caller right okay, now at 888 uh, This is regarding Chevron CBX. The annual dividend yield that I see is $5.16. But... The earnings per share is a minus $4.71. How long can that be kept up? I just don't uh, quite follow. All right. Thank you, and await your uh, response. Bye-bye. All right. Well, great question. He's looking at earnings and saying, how can they pay out X dollar amount when they're not making nearly as much? In fact, they're losing money based on last quarter. Last quarter, they lost $1.83 per share. Well, first thing you have to understand is earnings are accounting figures. There's a lot about earnings, mainly depreciation, amortization, uh, writing down or up the value of assets, that are non-cash items, meaning there's no cash flow involved. 
at least directly. So when you have a bad quarter for a company, a lot of times they'll just throw the kitchen sink at it. So not only Chevron have lower revenues down 65% year over year, and that's impacting profits, but they could write down assets. I haven't looked at Chevron in particular, but many times that can happen as well. So remember that a lot of times it's short-term accounting that can cause big swings in profits. Now, Chevron also is a very large company, $134 billion markup, and they have access to the debt market. So they can continue to pay that dividend for a while, right? They can just add on more debt, which is certainly something that they may continue to do. A lot will depend on how the oil market evolves as well. So I actually think we are getting very close. I'm saying this, calling this now. In the next six months, I don't know what the exact date, I think there's going to be an extremely good opportunity in the oil markets. Extremely good. So I definitely would keep Chevron on your watch list. And I think from a balance sheet perspective, they can sustain that dividend in the near term, but oil prices are gonna have to stay above $40 for a while. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And in these uncertain times, it's natural for investors to be unsure about how much of their portfolio is at risk in this market. So how do you understand and deal with that risk level? Let's talk about it. I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity, 
or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to Raphael in New Jersey. He wants to talk about evaluating stocks. I'm assuming. Uh, hi, hi, Justin. This is yeah. Uh, I was just talking about valuations in general. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you, what happened are you was talking I about on the market through. as a whole, or or as a company? Um, I, I, as it as it applies to certain growth stocks. Okay. Yeah. Do so, you have um, any in particular, or what? What? Good. I apologize. I was I was listening to a, a couple shows ago, and Steve was talking, and he was talking about Tesla, and he was saying about you know how it's it, it doesn't make any sense. He can't bring himself to you know be on that train. Now that triggered my what what when I heard that it triggered my call because what I've been noticing over over all these years, like since I've been investing, is certain companies don't make any sense from a valuation standpoint. But you kind of mm -hmm. have to like think think it through in your mind because like Facebook was at a 2,000 PE at one point. So I think what happens is if you really get overly concerned to, to the nth degree with valuations, you're going to miss all the great moves. Like for instance, the the new ones of today, Salesforce and Autodesk and Adobe, they're all at very high valuations. And in five years, we'll have a whole another set of champions that are going to be at very high valuation, and it just goes on and on and on. And that, that's kind of my point is that you, at some point you have to realize the potential. And like uh, sometimes what I do is I, I know the valuations are six, so I'll just take small little positions and I'll say I'm going to have, like you did with Bitcoin, you know, where you're saying, you know, either I'm going to be very right or I'm going to be very wrong. But you mm -hmm. see that potential. And maybe mm -hmm. if some people thought about it that way, they'd get on some of these huge winners. Well, I, I think uh, you're, you're right to a certain degree. You're absolutely right. Uh, the the main issue though is that uh, many of these stocks, even if they reach very, the lofty uh, expectations that the market has uh, has for them, right, going forward over the next decade, 
you know, is really how far, you know, decade plus for that uh, a lot of uh, investors are looking out for many of these companies, even if they reach all of their wildest dreams when it comes to their business. The valuation today wouldn't make the stock go up very much, right? Because you've already pulled forward a lot of those potential cash flows uh, to today. Now, some of them, you're right, aren't. There, there's so, more upside, definitely. Many of them, however, and you can just go back to the first dot-com 1.0, uh, bubble 1.0 in the late 90s, is nine out of 10 of them in the late 90s went bankrupt or were bought out for a small fraction of what their valuation was in 99 or early 2000. And I think you're going to see the same thing in this cycle as well. And you have the complete frauds that are out there as well. Like Nicola, what's happening with that? Uh, where they're, it's just a story and there's not a lot of substance behind it. And if you're just reading headlines or, or listening to an earnings report, it can be difficult for the average person to decipher. Is this good management? Does this have even a, a road map to profitability, to cash flow, to sustainability? Or are they going to simply uh, issue shares in, into infinity like Tesla has been doing, right? So that's the, that's the difficult part. That's the difficult part is figuring out which one it is. Uh, and there's going to be ones that will continue to go to the moon. There'll be ones that just kind of go sideways. There's a lot of those that are, you know, Cisco, for example, is where, where it is today is where it was in 2000. And there's others that will go completely away like a Nikola. Okay. But great point. Now, my focus point today concerns present and it, oh, I guess I'm going to a break. I'm here. I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Now, I decided I, before the break, I was trying to get to my focus point today, and it is about the real danger for the market right now, and that is you. And what that means is are you a new investor? Have you kind of been chasing the market and uh, high flying stocks over the past six months or so? Well, that is the real danger for the market. So we're going to discuss that. Also, on top of it, I want to dig a little bit into the proposed next stimulus bill that uh, is trying to come through Congress before everyone goes home for election season. And is it going to be big enough? Will it will be passed. We're going to discuss that. And then something I didn't get to yesterday, which was real assets. What are real assets and what are the pros and cons of the different types now let's go to cooper in san jose he wants to talk about costco hi Justin. uh yeah my question's on costco uh, i've been owning it for a couple of years now and uh can you explain to me why uh stock price is going down after i had a good earnings report and uh if now is a good time to buy more well, what you always have to remember about earnings reports or any, any type of catalyst 
like that. Earnings reports are typically the most common catalyst for a big move in the stock, or at least new news, right, that's going to move the stock, is that there are expectations that analysts are putting out there, and there's expectations that the market is pricing in as well. So just because a beat analyst expectations, that doesn't mean what the market expectations were. And you're all, you also, a lot of people focus on, oh, the earnings report beat or missed the expectations. Go Looking backwards, what happened last quarter? Well, guess what? The market cares very little about what happened last quarter compared to what they are looking at going forward. Now, if you made $10 a share last quarter, but making a dollar a share next quarter, you think they're going to care about that $10? No, they're going to focus on that $1 a share. Obviously, that's an extreme example. But when you're looking at earnings reports or a catalyst, it's not necessarily very, it doesn't matter very much what happened in the recent past. It's about the next quarter and the next year and year after that. That's what the market cares about. Does that make sense, Cooper? Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 888 chart 888 We have about 30 minutes left in the show, so I encourage you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, I suppose it's a good time to touch on my main focus point today, and it concerns pre- present and the opinion offering a warning that the real danger to the market right now is you, the amateur investor, which, you know, that's our that's most of our audience. And it's not throwing shade or anything like that. It's just a simple fact that there are now thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of inexperienced traders trading on their Robinhood app, pushing shares of companies simply based on narratives not about real earnings and cash flows and sustainable businesses. Some of them literally are in bankruptcy. Remember Hertz? And history, if, if history is any guide, when the party in the stock market gets the loudest, when the headlines are the craziest, that's when there's the most danger, right? And there's a couple reasons for that. One is, and the main reason is, there's a lot of weak hands. Meaning, most of these investors, the marginal buyer, isn't focused on valuation or anything to do with the company. They're simply focused on price and chasing price. And so if price is going up, they're holding. If price is going down, guess what? Creeps into their mind. That fear. And they're weak hands and they're willing to sell quickly. Whereas in normal markets, when there isn't a lot of retail traders, you have a more strong hands that are invested in funds that have a thesis about the business, that believe in the business. And if it goes down 5 10%, most of them are holding because they have a certain valuation higher 
So the old saying is bull markets are born on pessimism, grow on skepticism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. And we've had some major euphoria over the past few months. Warren Buffett said, quote, the giddy participants all plan to leave just seconds before midnight. There's a problem, though. They are dancing in a room which clocks have no hands. Basically saying their idea is always to get out quickly. But it's that fear and that greed that creeps in. And that's the real danger in the market is if all of those weak hands start to exit quickly. The next invest stock story that, that evaluates spending priorities in today's economy. For example, should you ever commit to obtaining an expensive vehicle? That story tomorrow, Steve will get to. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers. You've got to call with your question. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta, who wants to talk about Kellogg. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Uh, yeah, I wanted to find out uh, your opinion on Kellogg. I'm trying to find a good price uh, to enter a position. And um, I was wondering if you would consider this a good core holding. Um, I was going to add it to my children's UTMA account. Mm-hmm. Well, I like I do like Kellogg long-term, mainly because of the profitability. It's a turn in equity, has hung around the 30 to 60% level for the last decade plus. Now they do have a decent amount of debt, but their business is pretty steady, right? But it's not really a growth business. This year it's supposed to make $3.93, which is the same it made last year. And in 2018 it made $4.34 and it, you know, it's just it's just not a growth company. Uh, I think they could be if they make the right acquisitions and, and, and things like that, but it's packaged food and they didn't get the requisite increase in revenue that I would expect last quarter. Revenues were flat year over year when more and more people were at the grocery store. Profits were up 27%, which was nice, it means margins were expanding. They didn't have to do as much promotion. That was good. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those names that is, is just going to be your, a coupon, you're going to be a coupon clipper. It's really what it is. And they have a lot of debt, but they have a lot of consistent, strong cash flow, which I like. So, you know, I, I like it as a, as a core holding. Uh, once again, you're not going to get huge returns, but I think you're going to get that 3.6% dividend yield plus uh, you know, longer term, you're going to grow probably with the economy, about 3%, maybe 4 so you're talking seven, eight percent long term. That's likely what you're going to get out of Kellogg, which isn't fantastic, but I think it would be a more consistent name that you might want as a core holding, which is uh, probably what you're searching for. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. Let's go to Kyle in San Ramon. He wants to talk about trading. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so let's say let's build upon the core holdings you were just talking about. Say I have like a, a core holding of mine. I have a hundred shares. It's 
just maybe made like a good run up and I want to sell off 50. If I wanted to like buy it back and trade, like hold 50 and trade 50, would I use like last in first out instead of like first in first out tax method type of thing? Or I was curious about that because I wanted to hold some long term over a year and I wanted to trade some short term. Yeah, that if you want to just trade some short term uh, and you want to make sure that that uh, and for everyone else out there, uh, when you sell part of a position, right? Meaning you are trading around it, uh, and like like uh, like Kyle's talking about, you can choose whether you're selling. Let's say you buy let's say fifty shares twice, right? And you can you're going to go sell half of your position. You have hundred shares paying half of your position. You can go first in first out, meaning you're going to sell the first purchase of those 50 shares and take that capital gains hit or loss. Or you can do last in first out, meaning you're selling the second 50 shares and taking that gain or loss. In your case, Kyle, I think doing last in first out makes more sense because you want to keep those shares and get to that full long-term capital gains on that first 50 share lot sooner rather than later. Right? So if you're trading around buying new shares and then sell, you know, say you say, say it dips again, you buy that 50 back and then it rallies again, you sell the 50 shares. You don't want to be messing with that first purchase because you want to make sure that it's long-term capital gains. So I would do, in your case, last and first out. Make sense, Kyle? Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you for explaining. No problem. Thanks for the call. Interesting question. I, don't know, I haven't had that question in a long, long time, but but I love it. 88899 chart, 88992 We have about 20 minutes left. So get your call in right now. Let's touch quickly on the current proposed bill in the House, which is about a $2 trillion stimulus package. And this is really the last ditch effort for Congress to stimulate the economy. I've talked before. The Fed is basically out of ammunition. The only thing they can really do is buy stocks, which they may do eventually, but not right now, obviously, with uh, stocks so high. So it's up to Congress to stimulate the economy. Remember, the Fed can only lend. They cannot spend, but Congress can spend, and they love to spend. So it still isn't sure whether this is actually going to pass both the House and the Senate before they head home for campaign season. But the bill includes a few bipartisan things like extension of the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP, direct payments to households. Like This is kind of de facto MMT. Both parties are up for it. This is what we're going to get next, whether you like it or not. Remember I said at the top of the show, whether you think MMT is a good idea or you think it's a bad idea, it doesn't matter to the market. What matters is what will happen. And what you're seeing here with this proposal that is somewhat bipartisan, not passed yet, obviously, but you can see that payments, direct payments to households are part of it. There's federal aid for state unemployment benefits, add-on state unemployment benefits, kind of like uh, the executive order that's basically running out of funding uh, that Trump signed uh, about, a, what, a month ago, two months ago? There's new aid for airlines. Crazy. 
crazy to me. Hey, airlines, you bought back a bunch of shares. You borrowed a bunch of money. There's this thing which you've done a lot, many times before, almost every decade or so you do it. It's called Chapter 11 Reorganization. Why do we need to give airlines more money? They're the ones that put themselves into a lot of debt, buying back shares, giving themselves big bonuses, etc. Pretty crazy, but that's in the bill. Now, this is down from the $3.4 trillion stimulus that was the Democrats had offered back in May, but well up from the $1.3 trillion the White House last offered earlier this month. So it shows that uh, this is, uh, the Congress understands it. Congress understands that they need to spend. The Fed is in their ear. Hey, you guys need to do something. We can't do anymore, right? The good news is the government didn't shut down. They extended funding for the government till December 11th. But at the end of next week, they head home. But with such a contentious environment, I don't really see this, this passing. But it certainly could. And I think you'll see this in the market. If the market continues to trend lower, Right now, the SP is right at its 100-day moving average. If we break that, that is telling me we will not get stimulus out of Washington till past the election, and with how contentious it is, likely not until 2021. Now, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to explore the finance and investment information we have over at investtalk.com. You can learn about our investment strategy opportunities that we offer through KPP Financial. For example, Equity Income Plus. This is dividend investing with a boost. We buy dividend-paying stocks, and then we add extra income by writing covered calls on those positions. It's a pretty unique strategy. If you're serious about achieving financial freedom and you want to reach out to myself or Steve, you can do that at our KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461 or just simply head over to investtalk.com and send us a message. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kyle from San Dimas. I want to know if right now would be a good time to buy Kroger stock. It's taking quite a dip, and I already own some at the moment. Thank you. Bye. All right. He's looking at Kroger. KR is the symbol. Revenue up 8% last quarter, 12% the quarter before that. And that was kind of in the midst of the COVID shutdown. So a lot of people headed to uh, the, the store to stock up. You had earnings up 66% last quarter, 69% the quarter before. So margins are expanding pretty dramatically as well. Earnings this year expect to be up 48%. And 
drop 16% next year, but still up to 271 from last year, only 219. So on a two-year basis, that's still uh, pretty solid growth. $26 billion market cap. We like Kroger. We've been buying it for clients for some time, and they're the largest grocer here in the United States. And you know that's we like the space. We like the grocer space, even if we reopen. Uh, a lot of the grocers have pulled back, and I think this is a fantastic buying opportunity in the space for a couple of reasons. One, the trend towards eating at home is likely to continue at still a higher pace than pre-COVID, and it continues to be somewhere in, in the high single digits uh, percentage-wise growth year over year for the grocer space as a whole. Now, there are other grocers that have fast, faster growth, right? They're not as big as Kroger, right? Kroger already has 2,757 supermarkets all across the United States. And they pay a nice 2, 2.15% dividend, and that's been growing. And they have a lot of room for that to continue to grow. And they continue to stair-step that up. The payout ratio is only in the 20s. And they've been consistently increasing their dividend for the last decade plus. In 2006, it was they were paying $0.03 cents a share. Now they're paying $0.18 cents a share. So it's more than quadrupled over the last 12, 15 years or so. So I love that. Solid balance sheet. The return on equity is 28% which clearly is higher than it normally has been. But long-term, they have consistently had return equity in the mid-20s. So one of the most profitable grocers out there. It is our highest weighted exposure to any grocer, say that. Okay, So I really like Kroger. Big fan of the company long-term. Had a recent pullback, uh, but still remains above its 200-day moving average. And I'm a fan. Now, as you, you probably noticed, Steve and I do our best to fit in as many caller questions as possible. So let's do that right now. This came in earlier from Sweden on our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, I'm Simon from uh, Sweden. Thanks for a good podcast. I bought Abvi a few weeks ago when you uh, talked about it on your podcast. And now I'm looking to uh, find another company in the same sector so I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Gilead Sciences, G-I-L-D, and we would like to hear if you think that's a good complement to AppVee. Thank you. Bye. Hi, right, this is looking at Gilead Sciences. This is a, let's see, what's the market cap? $78 billion company. Revenues last quarter down 10%, earnings down 35%, but it's been in a downtrend for an extended period of time. Its all-time high was in 2015, around $120 a share. Now we're at $62 a share. So it's been in a consistent downtrend. And, and there was uh, some, I forgot the, the drug, the, the COVID drug that they were talking about, which has some efficacy, but you know there was a lot of hype around it just a few months ago. And they've shown that it has some effectiveness, but certainly is not a cure-all. Uh, and the shine has kind of come off Gilead. And one of the big issues with Gilead is that their drugs are curing diseases like hepatitis B and C. 
So it's not something where they sell their drugs and somebody's using their drugs for the next decade plus, right? They go through the protocol, might be an expensive protocol, but then they're cured, which is good. Now they do have HIV medication and they made some recent acquisitions, but the issue is that they have a lot of debt, $24 billion in debt. And, you know, that dividend yield, uh, I don't think is sustainable unless they turn their business around. Their net income trailing 12 months is negative $257 million. Their EBITDA is in a downtrend and remains in a downtrend. Like I said, 2015 was the high, $22 billion in EBITDA. Well, guess what? Trailing 12 months right now, only $1.7, $1.8 billion. Even before COVID, it was only at 6.6, right? Down from 23. So their business continues to deteriorate. And that's why I don't like Gilead. I want profitability cash flows to be increasing. And they're clearly, they're, they're trying to make acquisitions. They're trying to use the cash flow and, and earnings that they do have to have a more sustainable business. But it doesn't look like they've achieved it yet. And so until they do, I'm not going to buy it, especially with the chart. It's extremely weak. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every day on Invest Talks to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues right after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Beasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein Investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jason calling out of Salt Lake. Big fan of the show. I think you guys are the best. My question is about barbell approach or barbell strategy. And what is that? If you could define it for me, that'd be cool. Thanks. Bye. All right. Barbell strategy. There's different ways to, I guess, define it. Uh, One way in the fixed income market is to, for example, instead of buying a bunch of bonds that mature, let's say, in seven years, you buy half of your portfolio that might mature in one year, and then the other half that might mature out going 13, 14 years, right? So your average duration is somewhere around that seven-year mark, as opposed to buying a swath maybe out two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years, right? And then having average at seven. So it's more of a barbell where there's not a lot in the middle, but there's a lot on each side. Maybe 50-50 on each side of the, in that case, the duration spectrum. You can also apply that to risk, right? You could buy, I want to buy high risk, half the portfolio and very high risk, investments and the other half in very low risk instead of a bunch across the spectrum of risk or huddled in the middle for example on the equity side the way you would describe that is saying uh, 
you know, I want something super conservative, say CDs, and then I'm going to buy the other half high risk growth stocks. All right, so I have that much higher upside of that 50% because I'm, I'm investing in high risk stocks that can go up three, four, five hundred percent in a couple of years. Instead of buying kind of your middle of the road, moderate risk equities, like say a Kellogg, like somebody uh, called in earlier, like a Procter and Gamble, like a utility company, right? Those are more moderate risk equities and buying a bunch of those and kind of blue chip names that, you know, they're not going to go up a ton, but they're not going to go down a ton because they're just your blue chip companies. Barbell would be eliminating or mitigating exposure to the middle of the risk spectrum and having a lot on both sides of the risk spectrum. But the risk spectrum, once again, can mean a lot of different things. That's kind of what the barbell strategy looks like. Now, quickly, before we close today, I want to touch on the oil market. I saw a really interesting headline on Bloomberg. It said, oil rally stutters as demand concerns offset, offset stimulus optimism. So this is something that I, I really want everyone to be on the watch for. Are these really pessimistic headlines and maybe capitulation? in the oil markets because capitulation means opportunity. And so while we haven't seen extreme volume yet in the oil markets, in the energy markets, to the downside, and kind of a slow slog, I think we're very close on the sentiment perspective, right, with ESG dumping oil stocks with the supply picture remaining oversupplied, even though the demand or the so, so, sorry, the inventory picture meaning oversupplying the market, as well as the actual new supply of oil falling off, which people aren't really paying attention to. And I think it's going to accelerate here in the fourth quarter, which will bring the market back in balance. But what that means for investors is opportunity. There are dozens and dozens of oil companies trading at very cheap valuations that are still producing positive cash flow even in this environment. And those companies are going to come out the other side of this in a great position. And that's where I see some of the best opportunities in the market today. I'm Justin Klein. Completes another inbox program. We'll return on Monday. Steve will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. In the meantime, you can head over to investtalk.com, check out over a hundred archive podcasts for free, or download them on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. 
Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.